Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a star rating and review on iTunes, never missing one single episode. Thank you, especially everybody who does that. Well, as you can tell, maybe if you're an audiophile by the tone of the microphone, we do have... Someone sitting on the other end of the mic today. Does it sound different? Well, it always it does always just a little bit when, okay. you, when you open up the mic. It, there's a little bit of like the room noise. See, I thought on there. the other side, yeah. like listening to the other podcast, it didn't sound any different. No, like if I do a solo show, it sounds like I'm in a phone booth, oh. but in a good way. So there you go. Oh, yeah, good Lo- Logan's here oh, hey. by the way. Yeah, good hey Logan, what's up? <laughs> this hey, is what we do. So you know what time it is? Ninety nine percent of the time when Logan's on. D e a t h death. Right, it's time for yet another list of the fallen, predominantly, with the exception of a couple, predominantly just the deaths in February. All mm. music-related deaths. If All you're... snuck right into one little sardine can. Completely. And for those of you who may be new or newish to the show, whenever ten notable people die... Ten songs, no more, no less. Exactly. And sometimes I'm a little loose with the being a part of the music industry there will be one <laughs> exception to that mm-hmm. today uh, at least in one respect but anytime i put anybody on a fallen list i feel that they are valid and i'll always have at least a song to accompany it and pay tribute to them for the most part it'll be either known artist of course from bands whether they sang or played an instrument or sometimes all it takes with me is it did you write something cool did you produce something <laughs> cool were you a label president? I mean, things like that. We've and done that's all the of time. This. Whenever I go, I'm sorry, you are who? Who? Yes, we're gonna David Spade it into the fallen list. <laughs> it is a uh, elite list, so we're gonna start off here with a death that actually occurred on January 21st of 2017 this year. I accidentally missed this one on the last show. Oh, really? And we were talking about him after the show. I was like, damn, I forgot to include him. At just because I just accidentally missed it. I'm a fan of this band. So Did I mention it? Was, it? Uh, we mentioned it after we recorded oh, the okay. last show. Okay. But a guy named Walter Junie Morrison, who was an original member of the Ohio Players. <laughs> and here's a fun fact. I don't think I brought that one up. Oh, I mentioned we missed the Ohio okay. Players okay. last time. The cool thing about this guy here is not only was he an original Ohio Players, which, you know, that's the best era of the band. Yeah. You know, great band, of course with a very nice, consistent catalog. But he is the only member, of, well, he's the only guy ever that could say, I was in the Ohio Players, and I was a prominent member of P-Funk also. So Ooh, how cool is that? That's pretty cool. And one of the songs that's kind of that's his... a nice resume. Yeah. One of the songs in the Ohio Players that's kind of his piece, that he uh, gets the credit for arranging and writing, and this is his song... And it really sticks out in the Ohio Players catalog because this could easily be a P-Funk song at the same time. Actually, right. there are people that have mistaken this song with being <laughs> P-Funk also because of the fact that it is easily the most sampled song in the Ohio Players catalog because okay. you will know right when they get to the chorus and solo section, it's like, 
I've heard that on a ton of Dre records and NWA records. Okay. So it is very obvious. Like, of course people thought that was George Clinton and Pete Hopefully Funk. they got paid. I believe after uh, after about 92 or 93, after, they're going to... After gonna, about two or three lawsuits. And then you saw that sample dry up really quick. <laughs> let me say... Let me, let me tell you. I, uh, we th- need to recut this record. Yeah. Th- this, uh, this song even got sampled on Jump by Criss Cross. Really? Uh, yeah. So you'll know it when you hear it. You'll know that. You'll know it. So... Uh, one of the coolest Ohio player song ever and a, a straight composition by Walter Junie Morrison. We're going to kick Rock Strikes 10 off with some funk. It's the Funky Worm. She's here, Mr. Johnson. Okay, thank you very much. Granny, they're expecting you. You're a little late, so come right this way. Start writing, okay? What? Say it now. Yeah. Say it now. Yeah. Me and the Ohio player going to tell you about a worm. There's a worm in the ground, yes it is. off this batch of the fallen Ooh, that's funky Ooh, like nine cans of shaving powder <laughs> that it. was the funky worm granny was cool granny's the best yeah that's awesome ohio players from their uh, album pleasure from 1973 definitely get some ohio players in your life if that is not a thing for you just yet i think they have a nice gold double disc don't they uh i i they may have i've got one called on and on which is a really good double disc but right. there is one bleeding glaring omission glaring glaring omission glaring. but no funky worm no funky worm <laughs> that huh? double disc it's ridiculous mm. <laughs> but 
still, it's very good. Uh, you can like download Funky Worm and then buy that double disc, something like that. Cool, man. So yes, we're gonna move all the way over to <laughs> modern day Swedish garage rock and punk. Oh, with a, a big loss in my world for sure. Robert Dahlquist, I believe that's how you pronounce you his right? name. He was the rhythm guitar player for the Helicopters, and yeah. a pretty young guy still in his, uh, if not 40 or early 40s. Mm. Uh, and no uh, no cause of death is given at this time, but it, it's pretty, it's it's about a month removed and really sucks. He was a guy that actually was a fan of the Helicopters. They had just put out their first release. Oh, really? And according to his bio, he found out that the keyboard player that would be their permanent keyboard player and touring guy played all the rhythm. So that meant, Hey, maybe they're looking for a rhythm guy contacted them, got the gig. No kidding. How cool is that? Uh, my favorite thing in his bio his Wikipedia page, if you will, was he was attending a actual prim and proper music school. Right. But he quit after a few weeks because of his frustration and them not getting to the kiss. (laughs) No kiss wow. song, no kiss songs in, in music school. So, well, you know, this was a you problem. Get through the Brahms and the Mozart <laughs> sure, first, right? Sure. And Joseph kiss senior. And then you can so. play anything, young man, anything. Yes. Yeah, but he just didn't have the patience for it, and he chose his own rock and roll path and rock and roll dream, and he accomplished that. Uh, he played on oh, the bulk of the Helicopters catalog, pretty much everything after the first one. All the way till their farewell album, and was a part of that reunion tour. Oh, was there a farewell? They, yeah, they, they, they hung weren't... it up in like 2010 or 2009, something oh, like that. I yeah, thought they... they were still inactive, but I thought they they did the aha thing where it's like they kept putting out records, but none of them showed up here in the states at that point. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to see this man play live and see them on their last ever American run, so oh, I consider okay. myself very fortunate. Cool. At the Lizard Lounge, by the way, that that might Lizard get you there. Lounge, yeah, wow. that was a great show, though. It was like them and Nebula. Nobody ever plays the Lizard Lounge. I, well, not anymore. Yeah. No. So, but I'm um, glad I got to see him. And great guitar player, a lot of fun. Played a nice man. Can't go wrong. So, and as as I like to do with, you know, like I can play any song by this band. So I go a little deeper and try to find something. Hey, maybe he co-wrote or wrote a song. Right. So I'm going to play something that he wrote specifically for the band. Okay. Uh, off of their awesome 2005 record, Rock and Roll is Dead. This is No Angel to Lay Me Away.
right, there you go. That was for Robert Dahlquist, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name in death, but that's the best I can do with my Texas ass. Sounds close enough. Uh, but yeah, that was the helicopters. No angel lay me down from 2005's Rock and Roll Is Dead. That is one of my favorite records ever. It is one of the best rock and roll albums, just merely for the sake of rock and roll. Obviously, an ironic title. Right. But man, I listen to that record probably more than any record in 2005. So you must have that record. Oh, did you really? Yeah, I mean, I played the shell. That 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 was the last year of the record store. So it always actually makes me think of that. So it's kind was of a it? it's kind of a bittersweet album for me. But rock is dead. Yeah, yeah it was at that point. Yeah, <laughs> but that was yeah that was it's a great record. And they did record a live album and DVD apparently for this last run of reunion shows they did last year for the helicopters and Robert will be on there. So looking forward to checking that out once again. It'll be bittersweet, but I will be first in line to buy it. I always dig that sound. Yeah, I just really so did, did, did like that sound. Yeah, and uh, Lo- Logan and myself always constantly get a kick out of the fact that Nick Anderson was the drummer for Entombed. <laughs> Entombed. So every time, every time Nick is in a different band, the album that the band gets poppier and poppier. Right. From Entombed to the Helicopters, now Imperial State Electric is more pop than the Helicopters are. So yeah, yeah I didn't go that far. Yeah, they're almost into like an Americana sound at this point. I mean, oh it's really? Like, it's like. Whoa, it's, huh. it almost kind of threw me off a little bit. But the, the last one they put out was a little more rock and roll. Than, right, right, right. Anyway, so moving on here. I could go on and on about those guys. Uh, on to, from Dayton, Ohio to Sweden. Now we're down to Canada. Good day, mate. <laughs> Good day, mate. Uh, yes. Which, that's a joke if anyone had of figured course, that out. Right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, but a guy named Steve Lang died on February 4th of this year. And... Uh, Played on a perennial album, in my opinion, and uh, the bulk of the catalog, if not all of it, Lang? of April Wine. Oh. Yeah, so I gotta tell you, I was very crude to April Wine for a long time, and it was only re- really just up into this decade. Uh, Mark, really? Yeah, Mark Striegel actually hit me to some songs off of Nature of the Beast. And I was like, man, these are good. You didn't like Nature of the Beast all that? No, or had you I, I not just, heard it? I just hadn't been indoctrinated into the April huh. line. So, and I know that their early stuff sounds even different than right. what's on Nature of the Beast, but I really got into that album really hardcore. I was like, man, this sounds like a like a BOC album mixed yeah. with something else. And but when you like when you're a kid, and I'm, I'm sure a few of you may have had this experience, there's a few of those albums that are heralded. You see the album cover, and you're like, man, this is going to be the heaviest album ever. <laughs> Bad Out of Hell is one of those. Right. And Nature of the Beast is the other. And when you put it on, it's not what your eyes are telling you to hear. Yeah. So I can imagine those two albums are massive letdowns for a lot of kids. I just have that feeling. And I know I experienced that with Bad Out of Hell the first okay. time. Okay. But Nature of the Beast, yeah, one of the best album covers ever. But I really, really like this record now, and I encourage anybody out there that doesn't have it to give it a listen. Cause, I don't mind April Wine at all. Yeah. I think I remember more of, uh, let's see, what was it, Animal Instincts? I think that's the one that I remember the most. Okay. You know. What year was that? Uh, I was just looking at it. 84? Okay. 84. All right. So uh, I guess it was like 80 or 81 is when 81. Nature of the Beast came out. <laughs> yeah. So definitely want to play this because this is one of my favorite april wine songs and it's got a good bass groove on it so why not i Mm -hmm. think this is a proper tribute for steve lang so here you go the kickoff track on nature of the beast this is all over town
There you go, Steve Lang playing bass. That's a good bass track too. I I, I think I picked a good one there. So I like April Wine. Yeah, I April Wine. Like uh, All over town from Nature of the Beast. That's a great record. Go get it. Yeah. Uh, how about a uh, little fuck Parkinson's out there? Because that's what he died of. What Parkinson's disease? Really? Yeah. Wow. That sucks, man. I think he has a daughter that actually gigs professionally now. Like, huh. uh, yeah. I, I don't I don't know much about her, but I'll I'll have to look into that later. But we're going to move on here all the way going back to the 60s now. Of course, you know, it's like you got to have people from the 50s and 60s on a yeah, phone episode because that's just, that's just the order of the day. Because it's about time. So this guy is a guy that people know. If you're any kind of decent music fan, you know this person, but he's definitely not a household name. Right. So I'll give you a couple of examples here. Okay. He's actually a two-hit wonder, and I was not aware that two. it yeah, two. I was not aware that he was the voice on these two different songs. So we're establishing a brand new category. Yeah, a little the bit. Two Hit Wonder. I am fascinated by Two Hit Wonders, by okay. the way. So okay. I, I need to look into that. And I'm even more fascinated by. Let me go off on a little tangent here. Two Hit Wonders, where the two songs sound nothing alike. Okay. Say what? Since I brought it up, I'm going to put it to <laughs> right. anybody who might be listening out there. I have two examples for you. I even put this to BJ, Mr. Rock and or Roll, who knows a thing or a hundred about music. Right. And my two are Golden Earring, 
Because okay. Radar yep, Love yep, yep. Radar and Twilight, Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone are just nothing alike. And the Romantics. Romantics. Talking in your sleep. Okay. What I like about you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah see, because yeah. what I like about you is so like the like punkish power new pop. wave is power pop. I think it's more power pop. And then Talking in Your Sleep is a totally like new romantic song. Yeah. So there you go. Those are my two All examples. Right. If you have any others out there, and they have to be legit two hit wonders. I don't want any of this, you know, because like Men Without Hats are a two hit wonder, but those are pretty much right on the level. Safety Dance, Pop Goes the World. You can like, oh yeah, so that's the song. Pop Goes the World. Uh, that was yeah. it. That, that, it charted. So, uh, well, it, it wasn't the Safety what, 99? Dance. 99? No, it was just like 1988. I'm yeah. just kidding. Yeah, but it wasn't the monster <laughs> the safety dance was. But do you see what I'm saying? This, yeah. This is yeah. what I'm getting at. So any two-hit wonders out there? Facebook it. But here's another guy who was a two-hit wonder with two different acts. Okay. This is why Ooh. I had no idea. Ooh. It's like, oh, that's the guy that's saying it. It's like when I found out later that John Waite sang for the babies, you know, or, you know, those kind oh, of right, things. right, right. So this guy here, Sonny Garassi, I believe that's how you pronounce it, G-E-R-A-C-I. He had a hit in the 60s okay. and a hit in the 70s. I think the 70s one was bigger. Okay. So I'm going to throw that one at you real quick. We're not going to play the 70s one. I'm going to play the 60s one. Okay. So in the 70s, he was in a band called Climax, spelled oh. the right way. Right. Not, not, okay. the 80, not the 80s. Not, not the 80s. Right, right. Climax. You know that one? What's yes. What's the big hit? I don't know, man. I don't remember what it was. AM, like just... Lime of the Coconut, whatever the... No, that's Harry Nilsson. Okay. Uh, precious and few. Precious and few. That was the name of the song. With precious and few. Da, 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 da. That song was like. I keep going. Huge. I don't. I, 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 I'm not going to sing any more <laughs> than that. You know the song "Precious and Few." Trust okay. me. Okay. But he was also in a band called The Outsiders in the '60s, and they had a hit. And Wait a I minute. think more people know. That was was that on a Nugget set? It is. Yeah, okay. Maybe I've so, heard that one. Everybody knows this song as well. I think different audiences may know these songs equally well. Right. So for the 70s kids, Precious and Few was like the ballad. Right. This one was a fun, upbeat, just on the cusp of like post-Beatles into the psychedelic era. Right, right, right. So that's why it's a nugget. The nuggets. Yeah. Which the nuggets said. Yeah. So here you go. For Sonny Garassi, vocalist of The Outsiders, this is Time Won't Let Me.
All right, there you go. From 1965, a song that everybody knows. Yeah, I think I've come to the conclusion that one's more popular than Precious and Few because I did the Pepsi Challenge because Logan apparently had never heard Precious and Few. No. So I played played him that right before that one. So there you go. I'm still new to 70s soft rock too, though. (laughs) All right. Yeah, you still you still haven't got past bread. Yeah, I'm still yeah I'm still <laughs> working, working through the bread, bread catalog. Yeah. And... <laughs> but yeah, that was time won't let me. Susan by... Croft is next. <laughs> yeah. Time won't let me by the Outsiders. Hope you enjoyed that. Find it on that Nuggets. Set. Yeah, get it on the Nuggets box set because it that's was a, a great set. It was a single only when it was out anyway. So yeah. that's that's why the oh, Nuggets really? box set is key. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, well, album rock hadn't really happened. Yeah, that's true. All that much. That's I mean, '65 is kind of a. That's still yeah. It'd be like another year before album rock. Really yeah, you got to prove yourself after like two or three of those singles before yeah, you can exactly. actually get it. Okay, yeah, exactly. I get it. I get it. Uh, moving all the way once again to something completely different. I mean, this is kind of like when, you know, we did the Rod Temperton thing. You know, the guy that wrote a lot of the songs on Thriller and stuff oh, okay. like that. Right. So yes. we, we were trying to figure out what to play by him, and I was like, "Screw it, man! We'll play some George Benson." Right. You know, thankfully I didn't get a lot of hate mail for it. Which proves how many what, listeners I have. Did, so, did you play Breezin? I yeah. don't remember. Yeah, is that we what did, it was? I don't remember if we did Breezin. We did Give Me the Night. Give Me the Night. Okay. Yeah, which I love. Give Me Give the Night. Give Me the Night. That's good. So this is kind of going to be a similar thing to that. If Uh-oh. you could stomach that, you could stomach this. Because I didn't want to let this one go. Because this guy is definitely a name, and I respect the guy. And you know, he's a cool guy. So we lost Al Jarreau <laughs> back Ooh. on February twelfth. Yeah. Wow. So smooth ass voice, just pleasant. Just pleasant, you yeah. know. So, uh, you know, of course, everybody knows he did the theme to Moonlighting, you know. And oh, of course, was... I had that song, but I wasn't going to play it. I mean, it's you I'm know, it's, it's it's a little cheesy and it's also short. It's Al Jarreau. So, it's Al Jarreau. But I, I went ahead and I actually <laughs> bought this song on iTunes. Did you really? Uh, from uh, what is considered his most successful album, Breaking Away, 1981. Uh, this is this is a nice little song here, so oh, I think okay. you're going to enjoy this. So this is Al Jarreau and We're In This Love Together. Okay. Forever. 
definitely have uh, a no shame gene in me somewhere that loves the yacht you know like the oh, yacht, yeah. yacht pop and yacht rock You're and pushing the limits though yeah but there you go and Aldro definitely is more of a yacht pop i am guy. i implore yacht soul all, yeah well yeah I would, yacht soul yeah. yeah i would implore all listeners to please continue because i've been forewarned that it's a bumpy road ahead well at least this next one because i'm gonna get an eye roll out of logan for and this one for sure al Jarreau kept you all right all right you're good hold on it's Just pleasant hold on yeah, hold on yeah it's it's, it's a it's nice cool. close it's your cool. eyes for five minutes yeah that was we're in this love together from breaking away 1981 there you go it'll be okay respect for al Jarreau. here's here's some respect That's... for another guy this is a guy who probably never played a note or a lick in his life but I remember reading about this guy's death back, uh, actually, in January. Of, okay. Uh, January 22nd of this year. This man was about 90 years old. Oh, my gosh. Japanese businessman, Masaya Nakamura. Okay. Do you know that name? From the Nakamura Company and Die Hard? That's uh, Naga... Not gonna to- not gonna not, not gonna work here anymore. Okay, <laughs> all right. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. You click. went die hard. I went <laughs> off. I went off of space. All right. So, uh, Nakatomi building. Nakatomi. Yeah, That's I think it's it. Nakatomi. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Some somebody is yelling into the radio yes, right now. Yes, somebody's yelling right now. Okay, but Masaya Nakamura was the founder of the Namco Corporation. Oh wait. Go ahead. All the classic video games right there. The first run of arcade video games. All the stuff that they they got countless quarters from me. Oh, indeed. Countless. And still to this day. I'm not sure how much money I put in there. 
who, who the hell knows? No and I'm knows. probably on the light side, honestly, because <laughs> right. I saved some of my quarters for records. For records, yeah, me so, too. Exactly. Know. You had to make that decision, yeah. that, that really hard decision. But if you went to a restaurant that you were at with your family... Hey, you know what? There's like, a pizza place. Can, there's yeah. probably a video game machine around yeah. here somewhere, right? Yeah. Ma, can I have a quarter? Yeah. yeah. So, yes, Mr. Namco, I mean, come on. Right. So, immediately once I read the obit, I'm like, well, I know we're going to have him on The Fallen. And, of course, this character would not exist without Mr. Nakamura. So right. here you go. From the early 80s, the 81, 82, something like that. Nice. You know we're going to play, right? Buckner and Garcia. Nice. Pac-Man fever. Here you go. <laughs>
I think I've said this before on a Fallen episode before, but sometimes I ponder why I don't have a wider audience than I do. <laughs> but I, I do constantly no, remind open, myself that should open up doors. Yeah, so that's a door opener. I hope so. It really is. Yeah, or you know, who else is going to be brave enough? Oh, thank you to play Pac Man Fever. Yeah, unless it's like some weird pop culture, you know, like kind of show. But oh, they're not doing that. They yeah, don't have that. Yeah, they, they don't, don't know that. They don't even know that song yeah, exists. So, uh, best access to that song, unless you can find the forty-five somewhere still, Ooh. which those exist. Right, they still exist. But uh, yeah, the uh, Rhino box set, like oh my god, uh, songs in the eighties, whatever yeah. it's called. But it's called like oh yeah. my god. So like oh my god. Yeah, and of course Buckner and Garcia, and I, don't, I think they, I can't remember they did actually attempt a follow-up, and I think they tried to. Uh, piggyback on another video game and i can't didn't remember they? which one so i that happened it didn't it didn't catch on you no. know it's like uh it's uh, the the joke <laughs> like uh, like if helen reddy had recorded i'm still woman <laughs> so all right uh that's the weirdest thing of the day so we're gonna get back to a little bit of normalcy here uh with a death that occurred on february 18th of this year uh, of kidney failure and if you ever see like uh, hardcore journalists or hardcore music nerds make a list of the greatest drummers of all time. Oh. If this guy is not near the top of it, then your list is invalid. And, and it's, he usually is. And he usually is. There's a few that have put him top five, but very yeah. few and far between. And, man, yeah, we were talking about samples earlier. Yeah. The most sampled drummer in the history of music, bar none. There's no Very doubt man. about that. None. Clyde Stubblefield. Of course, most famously known as James Brown's drummer during his funk period. Right. Because he didn't play with him from day one, you right. know. He wasn't a fabulous flame or anything. Right. But, you know, he was a JB. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's nope. probably actually a cooler company to be in. That's, I was going to say, that's like. Yeah, because like, I played with Bootsy and I played with Maceo and, of course, James yeah. Brown. So, man, if you weren't going to play anything other than this, you're kind of being a little too snobby about it because why wouldn't you play this? Right. So, for the iconic late great Clyde Subblefield, and here is you'll hear that break, that most sampled break of all time, right in the middle of the song when he just announces in advance, "We're gonna give the drummer some." Take it away, Clyde, <laughs> and you'll hear it. So this is the funky drummer. Oh, no. 
surprised that this wasn't later in the 70s but apparently right. for march of 1970 a single only release once again at the time and i actually thought it was a couple years ahead i thought yeah, it was like 68 or something yeah and to me it sounds like 72 73 but yeah 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 but wrong. i mean that was that was how progressive uh, you know james Brown as was, as yeah. their sound actually was yeah, as, as, a, as a unit so yeah but hey, there you go clyde Sebblefield, who you know, you can hear it on there. It's obviously a one take, and they named the song on the fly. Everything happens really on the fly, and it's a great moment. Yeah. So Bootsy's not on that track. He's actually he's not. Yeah. Uh, but Bootsy would join a little later on. But there you go. The funky drummer, of course, all ten minutes of it, and funky. and it was a mother. That's for sure. So yeah. rest in peace, Clyde. <laughs> and you you know you've heard that break everywhere. So yeah. All right, sticking with the soul and funk era. 1976, actually. A little bit latter period than most huh. people know this guy for. Okay. Uh, but I'm going to talk about a guy named Leon Ware, who is, once again, not a household name. But he was a, a pretty predominant songwriter for a lot of soul acts in the 70s. Uh, he wrote a song for Michael Jackson and Tina Turner and the oh, okay. Isley Brothers, people like that. His biggest success as a songwriter was when uh, a guy named Marvin Gaye said, yeah, I'll record that, <laughs> and had, a, I think, a number one with it, if I'm not mistaken, right. and it's a song called I Want You. Huh. So here you go. For Leon Ware, this is Marvin Gaye throwing it down. I Want You. Check it out. Thank you. 
right, there you go. Uh, an album that was actually a little bit controversial at the time because that was like Marvin Gaye going into a little bit of disco, stuff like that. And what it actually it? did get a lot of backlash. 1976. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of people were going that route, obviously. Yeah. But it has been proven over time, actually, to be more successful than when it first came out. It's a yeah. very influential album, especially with the Neo Soul crowd. But yeah, from our country's bicentennial year of 1976. Ooh. That was I Want You by Marvin Gaye. Uh, written by Leon Ware, who co-wrote every song on that record. So, damn, I'm sure he wasn't hurting for money after that. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, cancer sucks. So, cancer we'll, does. Suck. We'll move on here. I don't even know what the cause of death of this was. It was definitely apparently not an intended planned thing, and it was. It's kind of been ruled like an accidental death basically are you talking about the next one yeah the next one here because okay. um, we went from cancer sucks to yeah, i don't know how this happened yeah i'm getting to the next <laughs> song but on february 25th and i think especially down here in dallas fort worth this one really hit hard on a local level okay because this was a fort worth man who uh was very well respected in the community matter of fact i even heard tales of this guy over here sitting next to me like oh yeah you'll see him show up at the bar regular ass guy real nice guy named bill paxton and uh yeah yeah so yeah it was like a surgical complication blood clot i think is what happened at post-surgery kind of thing he apparently was having heart surgery and then had a stroke during the heart surgery or like right after post heart surgery complications and so yeah he was just yeah that was just a normal Normal guy. Yeah. He was just see like... him down at the Irish bars, you know. You know, just no big deal. Yeah. No and, big deal guy. And also proof positive, I learned so much more about him after he died that I didn't know that completely yeah. surprised me. Of course, we all respect the fact uh, his film work, it seemed like a guy... He wasn't a guy that was in every movie, but when he was in a movie... It's like it's like this guy definitely knew how to read a script. Right. And if he read a script and didn't like it, he wouldn't do it. Because it seems like I've yet to see a movie that he's in. I'm like, well, that was just okay. Right. Like, he actually had stellar uh, movie work. Like, as far yeah. as, like, it was always better that he was in it. And he definitely added something to every film he was in. I yeah. think that's why he picked the roles that he picked. Because you don't have to take these roles. You can just no. easily not. Yeah, you can just say no. Uh, but pe- People are afraid to turn down roles because they think that it'll kill their career. Because they think about what happened like with Richard Gere turning down... Uh, oh. You know, like... Uh, no, not Richard Gere. They'll, they think about what happens like John Travolta. He turned down a lot of roles in the early 80s and it really? actually killed his career. He turned down American Gigolo. Did he? And he turned down Officer and a Gentleman. And obviously, who benefited from that? Richard Gere. Things like that. Right. And people do, like, you hear about people turning down roles, and then it's like, oh, man. Damn. <laughs> and, and it happens. And sometimes you stay successful, and it's like, oh, no big deal. I'm glad that person got that role. But, you know, yeah. some actors are really afraid to say no, and you see it in people's shitty filmography. Right. But Bill Paxson had anything but a shitty filmography. And a good director, too, by the way. And that leads me into his music tie-in, <laughs> which... This is interesting. You think I'm going to play something that is linked to him in some way? Like, uh, maybe, maybe he was in a movie that this song, but no. No, I'm no, cool. no, no. So, first off, <laughs> I will say this, because I'm not going to play this song. Really, the thing that got me when he first died is that, I don't, I don't, I don't remember what site posted this, but he starred in and directed the Fish Heads video right. by Barnes yeah. & Barnes, which I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, that is the guy at the beginning of the video that buys the Fish Heads. I'll be heads. honest, I 
did not know that. Yeah. And he I played, mean, I, yeah. of course, the last time I saw the Fish Heads video was, well, what year did that come out? 82 or something. Okay, so yeah. that's and, probably yeah. around the time. And he also played a Nazi in the Shadows of the Night video by Pat Benatar. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So and then, then he started. But around that time in the early 80s, I found out, and from the most random of people, by the way, if you didn't check this out whenever he died, go back in the timeline. Mike Muir from Suicidal Tendencies right. and Infectious yeah. Grooves posted this amazing tribute to him online. Yeah, I read because that. Because they were buddies. Like, yeah. They used to like hang out together, and they worked the same job together. They were like paper boys, basically really? together. Yeah, like you know those guys that, that drive around though, like the the guys okay. that have trucks. Okay. And right, you, right, right. You get a truck and you get your papers. I was thinking and that you, for some reason I was thinking that you were saying Mike Murr worked around here or something. Like no, that. but no. it was the same job. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Paxton yeah. went out to California, yeah, and he was a punk rock kid. Right, and he so he fell in with the art house people and the punk rock kids. So Mike Muir and him used to deliver papers together. Yeah. Like he goes every morning, me and me and Bill, you know. I think with the Arlington Heights. Oh, okay, that's cool. I, I think. Yeah. I think that's where. Yeah. So I think that's neat. He got out of Texas and got out to California and oh, did well cool. for himself. Yeah. yeah. And of course, the iconic Chet role in Weird Science. I'm always gonna yeah. one of the most quotable characters ever. Right. So after all of that, or actually before his film career took off, and he was hanging yes. out with guys like Mike. Yep. He had a band. Martini Ranch. Yes, Martini Ranch. Were you ever familiar with them when they were in their initial Actually, run? I, I mean, yeah, but I was not a... I mean, I don't know that I ever actually remember listening to it. Okay, so you didn't buy or it when honest, it came out or anything? No, no, okay. I didn't know. All right. Yeah. So it's basically a duo, this guy Andrew Todd Rosenthal, who was the lead singer in the band. So right. basically when you hear... Which, of course, obviously I'm going to play a Martini Ranch song now. Yeah. But when you hear the band, Rosenthal's singing the vocals, like the lead vocals. Yeah. If you hear somebody yelling something or, like, talking it, uh-huh. that's Paxton. So, <laughs> but they, they did the they did the record together. They I think they did two records. The first what? one was a little more commercially viable. It what was year a, was it? New Way Band. Well, apparently they formed the band in, like, 82. Okay. But the album, their first album like didn't come 80, out until, like, 88. I was going to say 80. I was thinking 86 for some reason. But yeah, the, I guess the full length was Holy Cow, and it came out in 1988. Uh, the things that I found out just looking up the credits on that record is that there's a lot of cameos from people you will know. Right. As a matter of fact, the track I'm going to play for you was produced by Jerry Casal from Devo. Oh, okay. So it's got a very Devo-esque thing going on, which you hear. And matter of fact, I know that Mark Mothersbaugh at least does background vocals and keyboards on this track that we're also about to listen to. So mm, okay. it's basically Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton and Devo. <laughs> yeah. With Todd, well, with Todd singing. Andrew Todd Rosenthal, yeah. I mean, wow. No disrespect, Todd. And uh, here's a track off of Holy Cow. A really fun song, actually. It's How Can the Laboring Man Find Time for Self-Culture? Hi, uh, I've never had sushi before. Maybe you could prepare something special. What's fresh? <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> domo, domo, domo. Thanks, pal. Myself to play. I'm a man from birth. You won't turn me away. When 
There you go. That was Martini Ranch, and one more time, Logan. Oh, how can grief. the laboring how man? How can the laboring man find time for self culture? Yes, yes, that's good. Uh, you hear it enough in the song that I should have memorized that. But, yes, uh, but yeah, that was off the album Holy Cow, which I said will be reissued later on in the spring. For that reason, because we lost Paxton, and because, now because you know, we what lost... better what better time to put it out? Yeah, so, exactly, yeah, exactly. What better we, way to cash in on yeah, it? Yeah, it's know. a little bit of that, yeah, for sure. Hopefully, uh, because the, the family you know. will get some a few bucks out well, of that. You know. so. Anyway, let's do the last one of the night. Uh, another guy that 
you know, I was looking up this guy, and they make it seem like, uh, oh, he's a songwriter. He was an actor, and but when they say songwriter, it it's like he wrote one push? song. <laughs> no, it's like he wrote one damn song. Okay. But man, that's one of those songs you can write and never have to work again. Okay, if you do it right and you you don't get ripped off. Lay lay the cards on the table. Right, this guy named Rick Marlowe, British man. Okay. And at one point he was commissioned after he's like, you know what, I don't really want to act anymore. I think I'd like to work on some of these stage plays and, and huh. musicals. Okay. So there was a musical coming up that he got work to do, uh, that he got commissioned to do some songs for, and this play was going to be called A Taste of Honey, to which he was like, I'll write a song called that. And <laughs> him and his songwriting partner okay. named Bobby Scott spent five minutes and wrote... A Taste of Honey. A Taste of Honey. Which has been covered by everybody from the old generation and their moms, all the way up into the Beatles. This huh. is the Herb Albert Taste of Honey. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. That's no kidding. That fucking song. Yeah. Wow. I know, your brain was probably going with the band like, Taste of Honey, like, like Sukiyaki or something like right? that. No, no Boogie Oogie Oogie. Yeah, none of that. No, the the Herb Albert classic. The, I think most people cow. know it. I think most people know it as the Herb Albert song. But yeah, I mean that guy apparently only wrote one song in his life in five and minutes. That was it. And then there you go. <laughs> I'm fascinated by these See, stories. Kids, you can do it. And you can say hard work pays off, but it, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes just pissing. Sometimes out, it just pissing takes off five, for five minutes. minutes. A smoke break. God. The equivalent of half of a smoke now, I break used to smoke, in today's and it American took culture. To smoke yeah, a cigarette than to write that. I can yeah. guarantee you that right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Lennon apparently used to go in the hallway and write "Come Together" in five minutes. You know, like you hear these stories, like God damn, really? And then he was still like finishing up the <laughs> cigarette. I guarantee you that. Oh, of course. I guarantee. He actually, that. flaked it off and saved it yeah. for later. <laughs> I know how you guys roll. <laughs> so yeah, Rick Marlowe, man. Yeah. So obviously the most easy to digest version of taste of honey as it concerns the overall crowd here on rock strikes 10 would have to be to pick from the please please me album so closing off this episode of the fallen for rick marlowe who wrote this song with bobby scott in five damn minutes this is a taste of honey a taste of honey tasting much sweeter than wine Was the 
Taste of Honey by the Beatles right there. Closing off this volume of The Fallen of 2017. Actually, I'm recording this by myself in post because the last segment, which uh, thankfully wasn't terribly too much gold there, but it just got lost. I probably just forgot to save it. I was rushing on it, and I know Logan had to get out of here pretty quick, so that happens sometimes. Not very often, but... I'm just kind of record this in post, do the plugs, and get out of here. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please go to cnjradio.com for further information, including every episode of Rock Strikes 10. Also, the Synaptic podcast featuring Randy Brown, a true alternative. Randy's back on the ball, recording a whole bunch of shows. So catch up. Show number 100 is coming very soon. So catch up on the Synaptic podcast. Also, stay on cnjradio.com for the awesome blogs that Chris participates in with Wrestling House Show and Last Theater on the left. Hopefully at some point we can get some podcasts of that going on again. And last but not least, extra special thanks to Pete and the guys from Spacebeard for the awesome outro. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband. Follow the links, purchase their latest album, Gone, and tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent you. And I appreciate you hanging with us here while we catch up on The Fallen. We'll be back with some more list-centric episodes that are a little more fun in theme. Also, some new music episodes finally coming out. Fresh music from 2017 have finally happened. So stay tuned for all the fun, and we'll see everybody else in the next one. Thanks again to Logan for coming on the show, and everybody else, see you later. Have fun. instruments they're uh badly out of tune badly out of tune horribly hideously out of tune but they mean well so tune them up uh well we can't um because we're all out of tuning wax
so we have to go to a... Toonsmith. Saxophones? You've got to fucking be kidding me! 